Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monique Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for this episode. Adam Bryan, author of the best-selling book, Corner Office, asked over 700 CEOs this question, what qualities do you see most often in those who succeed? The number one answer, curiosity. Most of the ingenious inventions and extraordinary ideas throughout history all have something in common. From Thomas Edison's light bulb to Alexander Graham Bell's telephone to self-driving cars, they're all a result of insatiable curiosity. Meet our guest and Forbes 50 over 50 winner, Fran Dunaway, who is the co-founder of Tomboy X, a gender-neutral underwear and apparel brand. Tomboy X started as a passion project in collaboration with her wife and co-founder, Naomi Gonzalez, to create the perfect button-up shirt, but then pivoted to focus on underwear based on the overwhelming demand for their first boxer brief for women. Under France leadership, Tomboy X doubled in year-over-year growth and was recognized on Inc. Magazine's 5,000 fastest-growing companies for four consecutive years. In this episode, Fran shares how she followed her curiosity to entrepreneurial success, what techniques have helped her navigate risk and uncertainty, and why it's important for brands to be a force for positive change and inspire conversation about gender, confidence, acceptance, and inclusion. Visit imbeyondbearers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Fran. All right. Well, let's get going. So Fran, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you because you are someone I've admired for a very long time. And uh, But more than anything else, I just absolutely cherish our friendship. And so it's such a joy and delight to have you on the show and to be able to share your story with the world and for everyone to get to know why I love you so much. Uh, so welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, yeah, this is just uh, like talking to an old friend. So I, I love that. There you go. So uh, let's start the beginning of your journey. You know, so uh, most people know you, you know, in terms of being a co-founder of Tomboy X, but I want to go back in terms of your early career journey and really how you gained the clarity to, you know, find that entrepreneurial path and uh, take that leap. I, w- I don't know if I would call it clarity, but uh, it was more murky than that. And, you know, we just took the leap, I think, b- primarily because we didn't know better. And we also felt like uh, we had a problem to solve. And, and it was something that we felt like we could do. And we thought, uh, you know, this would just be a little side project in our one-car garage. We weren't looking to leave our high-paying jobs with vacation and perks and whatnot. So it wasn't an intentional leap into entrepreneurism, although yeah, I do wish that I had done it sooner because I do feel like I have found, found my people like yourself. It's, it's yeah. just an amazing uh, network and mindset that I think is, uh, is a way to really change the world. And so you really started this as a side project uh, with your wife, Naomi. So, like, tell us a little bit about those early days. What was that like to, you know, even 
learn about an industry you weren't part of before or things you hadn't done. Entrepreneurship was brand new. Business building was brand new. So um, how, what were some of those steps that got you going? Sure. No, you're absolutely right. In fact, we didn't know a knit from a woven, much less a balance <laughs> sheet from a P&L. <laughs> so we had a lot to learn. And really, it, it, I love saying that we started uh, an underwear company because I wanted a cool button up shirt. And, and that's the truth. Uh, we started it because I was frustrated with the lack of shirting options. I, I could find really high quality materials in the men's department, but I couldn't find it for women like Robert Graham or Ben Sherman, but made for a woman's body. And so that's how it started. And, you know, Naomi and I were early in our relationship. And so when she said, well, how hard can it be to start a, a clothing company? I thought, well, that's a good idea. And we took the leap together. So um, and it turns out that it's very hard to start a clothing company and, and build a business. And so that's probably the biggest lesson I learned. But uh, yeah, it was just really of a personal need for uh, getting a, a, a cool shirt. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs kind of start that way. They're trying to scratch an itch for themselves and in that process end up helping a lot of other people. And sounds like you did the same. You were looking for a solution for yourself and have changed the world as a result of it. But through that process, what did you discover were your own strengths, um, you know, that helped you become successful? Because as effortless as it, you make it look now, the truth is 95% of businesses fail and yours is a mega success. So what helped you? Uh, what are some of those traits uh, that you discovered? Well, you know, I used to joke or uh, jokingly say, but it's kind of got some truth. I kind of came out of the womb bossy uh, or the <laughs> boss. And uh, so I've always been in leadership roles. I remember organizing the neighborhood for uh, various uh, performances on build a stage in the garage. And when I went to, you know, I got my master's. And then when I, my first career, I ended up as an executive director of a human services agency by the time I was 30. And then I sold everything and went to film school and wanted to become a producer. Everyone else in my, my class wanted to be directors, but I wanted to be in charge of the directors. And so it's just, uh, I always find myself in roles of kind of delegating. I, I'm a very good delegator and I think I can see the big picture of things uh, in a way that, that has helped in every every all of the careers and every path that I've taken mm -hmm. in, in the journey. So uh, I think that's that's one of the big things is to be able to to kind of take a lot of things and synthesize it down into the simplest form and then to execute on that. Yeah, which, uh, you know, is the hardest part for so many people, which is not being able to let go and to delegate. And entrepreneurship is so much about leverage. You know, if you can tap into other people's capital or talent, uh, you're going to be able to scale up faster and better. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, when you uh, and Naomi first got started and there were all these unknowns and things that you had to learn, were, what were some of those moments where you, uh, you know, perhaps dealt with setbacks or like self-doubt um, and that worry about, gosh, can we pull through this? Uh, share a story or two about those moments or any of those experiences. 
Well, there there were many. Uh, you know, when you are building a company, especially an inventory based company, it's really uh, about uh, staying ahead of the cash flow and uh, having enough product to sell, but not running out of money. I've often said that there. In the beginning, I had two jobs for really the first four years. I had two jobs, and one was to not run out of money, and the second was to not screw it up. And so <laughs> Naomi did everything else. And there were there were many times we were fortunate in that we got some mentorship very early on. And I have one mentor who's now a, a dear friend who I would call in the worst of times, and she's just upbeat, positive, and always has something helpful. So she would walk me off the ledge numerous times. And uh, and then there were what I call rainbow unicorn moments. There were these magical moments. I remember uh, you and I share EY winning women experience, and I was in a in the going from one event to another in in Palm Springs for the strategic growth forum. And we weren't sure we were going to make payroll in a couple of weeks. And I rode in a shuttle, sat down next to this amazing woman, Sherry Deutschman, and and we started chatting. And by the time we got to the next event, 15 minutes later, she'd committed to writing a $500,000 check. And it was just exactly what we needed um, so that we could make payroll and keep going. And so really believing in what we were doing and that, that it was making an impact and that people understood why we were doing what we were doing. And so just having those rainbow unicorns like Sherry show up out of nowhere and, and, and make it happen. But, but of course there, there isn't a nowhere. It was because we were part of EY and then we were in this network. And, and so it's, it's all the things that you do so that you open yourself up to those magical moments. Yeah. It's, it's really showing up because, you know, showing up, building that community and uh, really uh, showing the results as well, because you probably wouldn't have gotten that investment if the results and the opportunity uh, hadn't been created, uh, you know, to be able to do that. Absolutely. Um, You know, so that brings up an interesting point about community because, uh, you know, what, a lot of our research and the work that we do at Beyond Bear is what we've discovered, uh, especially for women in the workplace, is that, uh, you know, we are surrounded, you know, great community builders, we have a lot of friends, but we often struggle to ask for help, especially when mm-hmm. it's <laughs> something that could help us get further, achieve our goals. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's in that situation and could tap into the network and could get further faster, but is hesitating or just doesn't know what to say and how to say it? Um, you know, what advice would you give? Oh, gosh, especially at the beginning when we were out raising money, I felt so awful. I felt like I was asking people for money and it was it was just and then I would take it personally, especially at the very beginning. And uh, then I realized that, in fact, what we were doing is, is creating opportunity and, and, and people are seeking investment. People want to write uh, a check if they're in the angel field mm. or in the angel arena of investing. And so really, it's about selling the story, presenting the story and the data, to your point, showing the traction, so showing the potential. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's just really believing in in what you have, but but I also think that it's it's important to be specific when you find someone that you can that can help you. And I did a lot of LinkedIn stalking and finding people who had had paved paths similar to ours prior to, and then would just reach out or find a warm introduction. For example, mm-hmm. I was able to talk to one of the co-founders of 
of Tommy Bahama very early on in the journey. And some of those nuggets of information or, or, um, or just of advice that he gave really resonate even today. And so it's, it's about finding those people in your network and being specific in your ask for where you are and what you need right now. To, to help you. And I think it's being that, that being specific is a really a great way to connect with people because then it isn't just, Hey, can I pick your brain? But it's, yeah. Hey, I need help with these three things. Could you, can I buy you a cup of coffee or, or a glass of wine and sit down and, and, and have mm. a conversation? Yeah. And, and how does someone res- uh, deal with the rejection? Because not every ask, even if it's specific, <laughs> uh, gets a positive response. And, uh, Part of what makes entrepreneurs successful is we have a thick skin and learn how to deal with rejection and keep moving forward. So how did you deal with rejection? I'm sure you dealt with a lot of that during fundraising, right? Oh, for sure. I had a spreadsheet and uh, I would I would keep track, you know, in different colors. And then I had emojis that 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 were personal that that uh, made me feel better. But really, it's about not taking it personally. Um, and it, because a lot of people have different theses around what they're investing in and their portfolio may be full of, of clothing companies and they don't have room for another or there are so many other opportunities. So I think what a big lesson and key takeaway is to really be careful with the stories that you're telling yourself about why. And you may not know, you may not have uh, full insight. So just let it go, move on. Don't take it personally because you could also circle back, but look at it more as relationship building because there may be some time in the future that you, that you can reconnect with that person or for different reason. And, and so I think it's just not taking it personally and, and just moving on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, sometimes, uh, the world works in mysterious ways. Someone who rejected you once could open doors at time from there. So leaving the relationship uh, in a positive place and uh, never knowing where the dots connect someday in the future. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent certain. Yeah. Um, you know, another topic uh, that uh, comes up a lot is risk-taking and making decisions in uncertainty which pretty much is what entrepreneurs do, right? And, you know, there's a lot of unknowns, very few knowns, but you still have to move forward. You have to make that decision. You have to take that risk. Uh, what has worked well for you? How do you think about decision-making, risk-taking uh, when you've been in those situations? What has helped you move forward? You know, when we started, it was very important to us that we kind of imbue our values into the company and build a sustainable company, make sure that we're taking care of our employees and factory workers all along the, the path. And so it was, it was critical for us to be thoughtful about how we went about that. And in so doing, it helped impact our decision-making. But in terms of how that applied to risk is that we, because we felt a responsibility, we felt like we were doing a, a service to our community and, and building something that could be very powerful. I think it made the risk seem worth it. And fortunately, Naomi and I, neither of us have a, a strong emotional connection to money. And mm-hmm. so I think that that helps with risk taking as well. 
Uh, we always, you know, we, we used to joke, I've, I've got a rental property in Mississippi, which is where my family is. And I, we used to joke that, hey, you know, if everything, if everything falls apart, we can always move to Mississippi and, and grow wonderful <laughs> tomatoes. So it's, it's that notion of a, of a backup plan that, yeah. that is still palatable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have a plan B. But, you know, yeah, that that's pretty much, you know, it's very similar, because I always thought like, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, some little trailer park, it could still survive in a fall faulty park. But exactly, you know, exactly. Yeah. And that was the yeah. other thing we weren't, we weren't willing to put our house on the line. So in the early days, when you go to the, you know, small business administration and they say, well, what kind of collateral do you want to put your house up? And we're like, no, uh, that, that's, that's, that's the only thing that's off limits. Mm -hmm. And so, so we went into crazy credit card debt and we went into, you know, I tapped into my retirement. So took some risks financially that I probably had no business doing at my age, but uh, it, it has paid off in spades for us. So, um, so it was uh, worth the risk. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. So what I'm hearing you say is really uh, know the the key principles and drivers. In your case, it was like really staying focused on core values and culture, what really is most important. Uh, know what's absolutely critical and then know what you can and cannot put on the line. You know, so in your case, you know, the house was off limits, but you could dip into your retirement fund, a credit card debt, and so forth. And then, you know, once you make that decision, you know, re- focus on the outcome and the execution, uh, rather than being attached to, um, you know, the journey of it. So that's fantastic. Exactly. I think that provides a really good framework for people to think about how they too can, you know, make um, decisions and uncertainty and take risks and move forward. So let's say you take this risk and, you know, it's always a 50-50 chance. Some things work out beautifully. What about the times when it was an absolute disaster or failure? Um, you know, were there situations like that where you dealt with, uh, you know, significant setback or failure? And how did you cope with that? And how did you recover? Gosh, I think that probably one of the, we when we first took our Series A, or I'm sorry, when we took our series B round of funding, it was a few months after that, that we started to see a decline in the business and we were trying to figure out what was going on. And, and, uh, and we had pressure from our new investors to figure it out, figure out the why. And it got to a place where we had to have, had to do something that we had never done before. And that was layoffs. And Mm -hmm. so we late, we had to lay off four people in order to reset, uh, the team and and rebuild, and that was really hard for me because it, it had always been such a personal kind of mm. you know family business, and that was that was a a, a really painful time uh, for me to to get through and to to say goodbye. Fortunately, we've hired one of the four back, um, mm-hmm. but it that was that was hard. But it was also about learning the mechanics of the business and understanding the why. And mm. I think we had never been challenged or never had to really do that because we were just putting money into growth and, 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 and marketing and, and it didn't matter the whys. And so two years later, which is now, 
we can tell you the why any day, any moment, at, at any time. And so we have a much more solid foundation for the business. We're a profitable business. And so we're just a very different business, but it's taken two years to get that. So as painful as that setback was, it created the next level growth uh, of the organization and its leadership as well as a result of that. Um, so, you know, um, which really is the result of learning, right? Because you learn mm-hmm. something during that process. Um, but it sounds like learning has been foundational to how you've gone about this entire business, learning so many things at the same time. I have to ask, like, what is that? You know, what is your style of learning? Because um, a lot of people switch from careers, professional careers, or corporate careers to entrepreneurship, but often they're somewhat in the same industry. They're doing something they're already familiar with. And, you know, there's a lot of overlap, uh, transferable skills that they bring or knowledge that they bring. In your case, it seemed like almost 90% of it was uh, new and, and continues to be, right? It's a very rapid moving industry. Um, learning has got to be a superpower. So how do you learn and uh, how, how do you stay ahead? I think for me, reflecting on just kind of my personality, the way I approach life, I'm, I'm a very curious person and I really lean into life. Uh, I've, I've never been one to talk about work-life balance because I lean into both and, uh, and, and try to, to uh, have, have that be kind of just go for it, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in all ways. But I'm, I also think it's, uh, I have a strong affinity to gamify things. Mm. And I've, I've always been a gamer. I've, I've started video games in the early days. I used to play, you know, ma- massive multiplayer online games. And, and so I, I can, if I can piece it into how to, a puzzle or figuring mm-hmm. out how something works and the pieces to get me to understanding that. Uh, I remember when we were first trying to, to wrap our heads around valuation. So we mm-hmm. used to watch Shark Tank and we'd pause when they'd say, okay, I want to give you $10,000 for 50% of your company. It's like, okay, how much is that company worth? And, <laughs> and so just, just challenging ourselves to figure out, out that. It, so breaking it down into small uh, digestible components, figuring that piece out, and then going to the next step from there. So I say mm-hmm. cur- curiosity and, and gamification. Mm. So, and are there like daily habits that, you know, are part of like, what, what does a day in the life look like for you? Oh gosh. Uh, well, yeah, I, I wake up, uh, have, and have a cup of coffee and then competitively play spelling bee against Naomi. And then once we, <laughs> Once, once we declare victor among the two of us, then we work together because we have a, a, an ongoing daily uh, game against my mom and one of her friends. So, so we take it to the next level. Uh, so, yeah, we start <laughs> out the day that way and then figure out what, what's on the agenda um, and then just uh, kind of plot away at the day and usually come home and play a video game at night and then maybe watch uh, the, the latest uh, series on on uh, Netflix or HBO, something like that. 
Very cool. So you've really kind of integrated work, life, career, family, all of that. And, uh, you know, but the radiance and the energy and the joy of it all shows, you know, because it's less about trying to balance the perfect hours, eight hours for this, eight hours for that, and really having fun all along the way. Uh, Yes. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future-ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age, so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to imbeyondbarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. Let's uh, shift gears to something uh, that will be like a fun gamification here. Uh, (laughs) I want to ask you a lightning round of questions, uh, you know, and give our audience a sense of, uh, you know, who you are and, uh, you know, more about your personal interests. <laughs> so All right. are you ready? All right. I'm ready. Go. So what book has greatly influenced you? Uh, Cheryl Sandberg's Lean In. And it came, she came out with that book right around the time that we were forming our company. And it made such a big difference to women around the world uh, to think about leaning in to help other people, other women succeed, uh, leaving doors open behind. And I really think that that's what started kind of uh, women getting more involved in investing and Mm -hmm. startup communities and helping each other. So it has influenced me directly and indirectly in a very powerful way. And you have done so much great work uh, in empowering so many people yourself through yourself as an entrepreneur and a leader, but also the company you've built. Uh, So that is a very powerful book to have shaped you. Mm -hmm. Um, What is your favorite inspiring quote? You know, my dad used to say to me all the time as a kid, can't never could. (laughs) And I still believe that. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Very true. Um, <laughs> what is the one word uh, or moniker that you would use to describe yourself? Probably fun loving. I like to have yeah. a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Life and is too short. Life is too short and constantly yeah. creative, right? <laughs> Building things. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the one change, uh, whether it's a habit or behavior action that you implemented uh, that made your life better? I think trusting my gut would be the big thing uh, along the way and just uh, following it and knowing that it's right and, and believing in myself that way. Hmm. Uh, tell us more about that. Uh, you know, what, why, why do we sometimes struggle to trust our gut and go with the rational versus the intuitive? You know, I've, I've struggled with that. I think about it a lot because I, I, I think that there are a lot of societal constructs that kind of impact us as, as women and girls um, from a very early age about what we can and can't do, what, it, what traits are celebrated, that whole mm-hmm. uh, a boy is assertive, a girl is aggressive. 
And so I, th- I think a lot of that comes into play. And then again, the stories that we tell ourselves about what, it, what we should or shouldn't do. And so just believing in yourself and, and uh, pushing forward, even though you may have uh, some obstacles or some barriers or some disbelievers. Uh, but I think that that also comes with a bit of caution and that you have to also be pay attention and listen. But at the end, just uh, trusting, trusting your gut, you, you, get a, you get an initial feeling about a situation or a person or a circumstance and trusting and believing that I think is, is a really important thing that we should all yeah. be doing. Absolutely. Um, okay. So let's say you're walking onto a stage. What is the power song you want playing? Lizzo, good as hell. Oh, love it. Here it comes. Check my nails. <laughs> love it. Love it, love it, love it. Well, you know, this has uh, been so wonderful uh, having this conversation with you, Fran, because, uh, you know, your story is, uh, you know, truly an inspiration, not just to women and girls everywhere, but to anyone with big dreams that, uh, you know, if you have a dream, you just have to. Uh, and like your dad said, you can't never could. <laughs> uh, That's right. So it's uh, exactly that. I mean, you are an example of just uh, believing and doing and keeping on going. So I have one last question for you, which is, you know, sure. all of the things that you've accomplished, um, you know, what is uh, the chapter of your life yet to be written that you're excited about? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that I'm, I recently promoted our COO to CEO, so I'm semi-retired and trying to figure out what that looks like. But at the same time, I know that uh, I want to b- continue to build community and, and help women and uh, the BIPOC community achieve su- success because I think that uh, we're not going to change the world until we have uh, economic equity and, and parity and gender equity. So those are some things that I'm very passionate about and I know will continue to, to be involved in, in some capacity. Yeah, I definitely do not see retirement in the future. You've got <laughs> you've got many, many big things to build, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, supporting your success and cheerleading you, and uh, perhaps even collaborating in some way. So, thank you so much That'd for being on the show. <laughs> and uh, it's great to excited. be here. It's great to see you. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.